You're listening to the RUV English podcast. To hear more and for all the news from Iceland in English, just head to ruv.is slash English. Hello, this is the Roof English Podcast. My name is Darren Adam. Thank you as ever for your company. A little later than usual this week, it's the week in Iceland, which continues as one of the strands of the Roof English Podcast. And my guest is someone who has been on this part of the podcast before. It's Colbane Dalrymple who joins me today. Colbane, thanks very much for your time. And as I say, you are not a stranger, at least to the week in Iceland on uh, on the Roof English Podcast. Yeah, it's great to be back. Thanks for having me. Great to hear from you. Now, we we take our conversation in our hands, don't we, when we try to talk about the Epling and SA dispute, because things are changing so very quickly. And it did seem over the weekend as if there was some hope of things improving. But the very latest news from the last couple of days, uh, announced yesterday morning, of course, is that SA are calling themselves for a work ban, calling for a strike that would prevent all Epling members from working. So this does feel like a significant escalation. The voting on this will take place today on this and the work ban would start next Tuesday. It's a big deal for employers to, to essentially call for a strike, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's very unusual. Yeah, it just seems like both sides are locked in and trying to wear the other ones down. But there doesn't seem to have been any movement on the negotiations over the end. So I guess they feel they don't have a choice or maybe they're trying to prompt the government into forcing through a contract. It is, for a lot of people, very disappointing because it did seem that over the weekend things were turning in the other direction. Yeah, because I know there was some movement on the contract, but not enough. What's your sense of what will happen? Um, I mean, it's really hard to see a conclusion, but I don't think SA is going to give Epling much more than the other unions, and they don't want to open those contracts up again. Maybe the state will have to step in with a, a tax cut or more housing subsidies or, you know, or just force a contract. Epling have said they think this is all pride on the part of SA, that in fact the amounts of money that ultimately would be being discussed here are not very big. Is that part of this, that SA either are proud or, or too proud to change their position or they don't want to set a precedent, maybe? I don't think they want to set a precedent. I mean, uh, BHM said it would only cost about 0.5% of their profits from last year to give Epling what it wants, but yeah, I don't think they want to. Mm. Well, maybe a smaller order concern, but a worrying time for lots of tourists who are hoping to come to Iceland. It did seem that over the weekend, the worst that they might have to face is the possibility that they wouldn't get their towels changed every day or wouldn't be able to eat in a hotel restaurant. But I suppose if 20,000 members become involved, whether they want to be or not, then this becomes a much bigger issue. Oh, very much. Yeah. And um, I think things will move very quickly if it comes to the full lockout. Let's turn to money that the government has promised to a variety of rural areas in Iceland. This is the Minister of Infrastructure allocating cash to 12 different projects in rural areas, 130 million Icelandic kroner in total. The biggest single grant is going to help innovate in the breeding of sheep, a grant going to the West Iceland Regional Office, the Westfields Regional Development Office and the Association of Municipalities in northwest Iceland. And we'll talk about some other of these grants maybe, but but taken together, this is about trying to make life easier and better and I guess more sustainable in some very or relatively remote parts of the country. Yeah, and it seems like a, a worthwhile project. Uh, I don't know how far 130 million kroner will go, but... 15 million kroner going to the Stroimhurf 
project, which is going to create a design and product workshop for new tourist routes around the east and the north, because there are new flights opening up all the time to not just Akureyri, but also Eilstar there in the east as well. Yeah, that seems like a worthwhile project. I know that they want to distribute tourists around the country more, just you know, take pressure off the capital and um, give revenue to the countryside. The, the furthest north you can go in Iceland just gets you into the Arctic Circle. It's the upper half of the island of Grimsey. Have you yes. ever been to Grimsey? No, unfortunately, but uh, it would be very interesting to go. It, it is. It's a fa- I've only been there once many, many years ago, and it's a fascinating place. Fascinating that it exists, I suppose, and that there is such a vibrant and healthy community on that island. It's also interesting in that it has one of the very few swimming pools in Iceland, which is not outdoors because there is no geothermal energy that reaches Grimsey in the same way as the rest of the country. So the fact that 4 million kroner are going, is going to improve the heating on Grimsey is uh, is interesting too. Yes, that's, that's good. Um, I'm sure it's a harsh environment to live in. Yeah. I've been to the north a couple of times in the, the summer which was very nice. Uh, and then I've traveled around the South quite a bit. I had a great time in the South, but you know, it was unusually good weather then. So I mean, that may have been the fact. I have not had an Icelandic summer yet. We've only ever really been to Iceland in the winter. And I suppose since we started coming to the country in 1998, I think we've been on maybe 40 or 50 occasions, but mm. never in the summer. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sort of looking forward to the winter starting again, really, because I really like the the colder, darker, longer nights. It's going to be an interesting experience for me, I think, to, to have that sense of there being daylight nearly 24 hours a day. Yeah, that's often um, been more difficult to adjust to than the, the long nights for me, you know, having to use blackout curtains and that sort of thing. I want to turn to a story which is a story that has on our website over the course of the last week been unbelievably popular. I don't know if popular is the right word. It has certainly attracted a great deal of attention and comment, and many, many people have been viewing and sharing this particular story. This is the sign that appears on the ladies' school, and it appears in that form in English. It's an English translation of the word kvenaskolin, which is the original Icelandic word for the ladies' school. And this is on the newly developed building on Thorvads in Straiti in Reykjavik. Now, the fact that the word or the words the ladies' school appears in English rather than uh, Kvenaskolin first has aggrieved, I think, with some justification, Professor Emeritus of Icelandic, Erikur Rogsvalsen, um, who has written to the owner of the building and saying, you know, what what gives? Why is this happening? Well, what what do you make of this? Oh, pretty much, in fact, I think every comment on our page underneath this particular story, Colbain said, of course, Icelandic should appear before English. There's no harm in using both languages, but Icelandic has to be first. And pretty hard to disagree with that, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it is the national language. And, you know, for those of us trying to learn, it'd be good to, you know, have that first, and then with the translation. Yeah. I wonder how this happened. There's a lot of criticism about the airport signage and a lot of restaurants downtown are only in English. So they should have been aware of this. But maybe it was just the sign maker. You know. Yeah. But particularly on a on a building which has not, you know, never existed for tourist purposes. This was a school for for women, for ladies in Iceland. This isn't an airport. This isn't a restaurant which, you know, might reasonably be thought to cater for 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 tourists. I mean, I would prefer if Icelandic was first, and I understand the annoyance, but, I, you know, like we're facing major strikes and environmental catastrophes, it seems a bit overblown. Mm. Again, fascinating that it did attract so much attention. And 
There is also, of course, worth at this point just remembering the statement that was issued by the international airport at Keplavik, or at least the organization that runs that, Asavia, saying last year that plans are in place to review the terminal's signage system. Care will be taken to ensure that Icelandic is in the foreground of the languages on the terminal's guidance and information boards. Now, I know that when it comes to aviation, English is used as the common language for safety reasons. It's a language that everyone, it seems, can agree on. But when it comes to passengers arriving at Iceland's international airport. Again, not unreasonable, is it, that Icelandic is the first language? Yeah, and I think tourists often like to, to see the language, and it's, you know, it's very new and unusual. So. How much progress have you made then with learning the language? Um, I've done the first few levels, um, you know, one and two at the Tin Can Factory. What were the difficulties and that And I can you... understand it much better than I can speak. I also sometimes find that I can form a sentence in my mind. So if I'm in a situation that I'm going to use Icelandic in, I kind of rehearse it first in my head, execute it reasonably well, and I'm then mystified by the <laughs> by the response that I get. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is quite a common problem for all sorts of languages, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. For those of us that are native English speakers, it's so easy to go without learning, you know. It seems people that don't speak English learn Icelandic much quicker. Let's turn to something which is increasingly going to dominate conversation in Iceland right the way up to and including the big day itself, the Eurovision Song Contest. And on Saturday, just a few days ago, the first live contest took place in Songvakepnin, which is the competition during which Iceland's entry for the Eurovision Song Contest will ultimately be selected. Two songs made it through. We had Dilia and we had Braui. Were you witnessing this momentous event on Saturday? Yes, I had friends over. We had um, pizza and beers and had a good time. Oh, I think they're pretty solid songs. Um, so I'm looking forward to hearing them in English on, at the final. The remaining five, they will be whittled down to two as well next Saturday in the second semi-final, And then on the 4th of March, the song that will ultimately represent Iceland this year will... Um, will be selected. Iceland's had a couple of near misses, a couple of second places. Does anything yet make you feel like it's Iceland's year, or is it too early to tell? I'd say it's too early to tell, but maybe we'll see next week with uh, those five. Where would the contest take place if Iceland were to win, do you think? Oh, I mean, probably where they're hosting uh, the Captain. Is that then, big enough? Well, I don't know, but, I mean, it is a large film studio, so they might be able to fit people in there. Um, I don't know if there's any other venues that aren't big enough, actually. I get the impression sometimes that what we would do in Iceland is just say, right, we'll just build somewhere. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what we'll do. And and in the interests of, of scrupulous fairness, we'll we'll do this next week as well with the with the next two songs that go forward to the final. We're going to play out on the podcast today with Delia. And then with Braui. So two songs. These are the two songs that were selected by the Icelandic nation on Saturday to go forward into the semi-final on the 4th of March. One of these could be the song that represents Iceland in the Eurovision Song Contest. One of these could even be the winner of the Eurovision Song Contest this year. Who knows? We shall find out in good time indeed. Uh, for now, though, Colbein Dalrymple, thank you. Uh, very much for your time. Are you as excited about the, the second <laughs> semi-final as you were about the first? Yeah, yeah. I'm probably going to do the same party again next weekend. Same party, same friends, or shaking up yeah, the guests? Yeah, most likely. <laughs> so no one misbehaved too badly then? 
No, no, we were. <laughs> okay. All right. well, thank you for having me. Corbin, thank you very much indeed. Remember, get in touch anytime with the Roof English service. We are English at ruv.is and we shall play out with Delia followed by Browie. <laughs> Listening to the Roof English podcast. To hear more and for all the news from Iceland in English, just head to ruv.is/slash English. Bara sé til gaman Stundum er stormurinn beint þér í fang Mundu þá andað og róaðu hugan Hvernig er
Yeah, I'll 